0: Bunch of volunteers. I mean, that was a busload of people. (laughs) Sorry. No, Uh, they went to NYC just yesterday and they are doing all their stuff that they have going on there. So we're going to do a quick prayer over the uh, youth group and the leaders, and then we're going to have Miss Gloria come up and read a passage for us. So would you bow with me? Father God, we thank you for your provisions that you are gracious and compassionate. We just ask that as the teens and the volunteers are engaging in the mission in New York City, Lord, that you would just bless them, put a hedge of protection over them, guide them and lead them, transform hearts like they've never seen before, Lord, and just continue to guide the leaders as they watch over all of these teens that are there uh, and and allow them to uh, equip them, lead them, and teach them through this process. May your spirit reign evermore through that, God. And Father, I just pray for today's message that you would impact us in a real way. May we encounter you today, Lord. We pray in Christ Jesus' heavenly name. Gloria. Gloria.
1: Family Bible Church, it's wonderful to be with you this morning. My name is Gloria Wheeler, and Jesus has been a part of my life since being a small child. But I was lucky when I was a teenager to be able to go to youth summer camp at Lake Louise and commit my life to Jesus. But I am blessed and so grateful to be able to deepen that relationship with all of you at Family Bible Church. Our scripture reading this morning is from Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. And Paul has given us great instructions on how to be a good person and a good Christian. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, rage, anger, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. May God bless the reading of his word.
2: Amen. Well, as some of you know, I've mentioned before that uh, I feel like I have to say that this time Mrs. Wheeler was my teacher 30 years ago. (laughs) And I felt like I was in class. I was just transported back, and, uh, and uh, Bill's not there nodding, and the monowicks are like, "Yep." So, anyone else that had Mrs. Wheeler, Gloria, uh, for a teacher—that was—that was class right there. So, uh, I feel like a little kid again. So. Thank you for reading the word this morning. We are in the book of Colossians and we're going to jump right into that as Gloria just read that so beautifully. It says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God and set your minds. Your mind's on things above, not on earthly things. So right off the bat, Paul is just saying, hey, our minds and our hearts, they need to be set on the things of God. They need to be focused on the things of God. To set means to seek, to desire, to run after these things. He continues by saying, for you died. If you're a follower of Jesus, do you know that you have already died? You have died. Scripture tells us that we have died here. It says, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God In chapter 2, Paul has said, since you died with Christ. In Galatians chapter 2, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, you have died, and there's a newness that we have. And this is something that's so crucial to following Jesus, is to remember that we have been made new, and that death in us and around us is, is, is taking away from what Jesus has done. It can't change what Jesus has done, but it's, it's allowing this death. We have this newness that we walk within, and Paul's saying there's these areas of death that we have to put off. We have to put to death. We have to get rid of. In chapter 2 of Colossians, it says, when you were dead in your sins. So there's this death that he keeps coming back to, and in verse 5 he says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. So in verse 5, he says, put to death. This is is intentionally strong language. Kill off, put to death, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. He uses this to get our attention, this reality that there is things that cause and take away from this life that he wants to give to us. Aubrey, my daughter, has been collecting cans and bottles for a number of months and twice now in our garage we've walked into, and it has just smelled horrendous in there as neighbors and friends have have brought them over. And months ago, I was taking some cans and bottles back, and I'm in the Meyer bottle room just putting them in, putting them in, putting them in in this rhythm. And I knew somewhere in one of the bags that I had was one of these things that smelled, and, and I'm putting it in just in this rhythm, and I stick my hand in the bag, and I go, and there's something gooey Inside there, right? Right? I'm like, well, I found what smelled, and I didn't even look to see what it was in there. I I knew it was enough death there that caused this just stank. And you know, if you have a house and a dead animal in it somewhere, you can paint that house, you can put new drywall in, you can put new carpet in, you can do whatever it is, but until that death is gone, your house is going to stink what Paul is saying in this language is is to get rid of any form of death. He says, put to death or rid yourself or put aside or put off. Get rid of this thing because life that Jesus has given you by the Holy Spirit is so freeing. Why would we allow that stink, that stench, that death to stay within us? And we just try to paint ourselves or re-drywall ourself, whatever it is, trying to fix this when he's saying, put it off. And there's a reality here. He uses these two different phrasings. It's this put to death. This is like this immediate just killing off. And for some people, you've told me your stories about how you've dealt with sin or addiction or habits or whatever, and you have just been able to rid yourself, like completely like, put to death that thing, and God has done a work. But many more have said, you know what? It's a struggle that I continue to come back to, and I continue to surrender. And so Paul is saying, hey, maybe it's put to death for some, but other ones, you need to keep putting it aside. You need to keep putting it off, whatever that thing may be. And so there's this thing ultimately to this point where it is gone out of our life. And we can use these things as we grow alive in Christ. Now back to verse 5. There's going to be a couple of things that we're going to talk about here today that we're putting off certain things and we're putting on certain things. We're putting to death some things so life can grow. We're going to walk through a couple of them here today. The first one in verse 5, he talks about this. He says to, to put off, to put to death, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. So now what Paul's talking about is he's not talking about sex in general because sex is created by God and it is a gift from God. But rather what Paul's talking about is the misuse, the consumption, and the coveting of bodies. And so what we're first putting off is, or putting to death, is using people for their bodies. This is what Paul is talking about. And he's talking about sexual activity, whether that's lust or impurity or sexual immorality, whatever it may be. Because sex is designed to be within a covenant-committed lifelong marriage. This is what the heart of of it's for. Someone said it this way. We, We break apart humans into different parts. Is that I don't want to take responsibility for the fullness of your soul. I don't want to receive the full realities of your family life or your financial life or your social life or your spiritual life or your future. The only thing I want fully is your body and I want it now. And so what Paul's talking about is we're not dividing other people out and just saying, well, I just want this physical aspect. And you know what? I love you, and I'm, 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 eh, I'm committed to you. But what he's saying is like, this is what sexual sin is, is this lack of the wholeness of who the person is. And instead, Paul is saying we put on, so we've put off using people for their bodies, we put on caring for people as whole beings. This is what we are to do as followers of Christ as a church. For a spouse, for friends, for family, is care for the whole being, not taking a person apart for own consumption. Colossians 3.16 says this, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. So we focus on the whole being. We let the, the message of Christ dwell Within us. In verse 5, it shows how we, we misuse what God has given. It says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. So the first thing we put off or put to death is this consumption, and we put on caring for people as whole. But he says, and greed. He attaches greed to this. So it's not just a sexual reality. It is far beyond that. And we're to put off greed and we're to put on gratitude. So what is it that you covet? What is it that you desire that's not yours? What is it that you focus on wishing you had it? When you look across at a a neighbor, at a friend, someone across the sanctuary, when you see someone on social media, you're, you're like, I want that thing. I want that vehicle, that house, that relationship, that healing, that whatever it is. We have this greed, this idolatry that if I had that thing, then my life would be better. That's what we're saying, but not really saying it out loud. So what is that thing that you think would make your life so much better if you just had that? But Paul is saying we we put off greed and we put on gratitude. What is it that's in your life right now that you can be thankful for? What is that thing or things or people or realities? What is it? And maybe it's not all you dream for, but what is it that we can be grateful for? Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful. See, peace is possible. Peace can rule when it's rooted in gratitude. Gratitude. We, we rid ourselves of these things that just cause death, that just pulls away from us. Verse 6, he says, because of these things, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life that you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. He gives a second list. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie each other. So we're putting off, we're putting to death attacking people and lying. When we look at this list, this anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips, we're putting that off and we're putting on forgiveness and love as we're going to see just a moment in scripture. Now anger and rage and malice they rob us of many things. We may feel like we're justified or we feel better in that moment when we're acting out in these realities, but it robs us of community around us. It, it robs others of their humanity. It robs them of their reality that they are made in the image of God. But often our anger and our rage and our malice comes from when people have hurt us, when people have sinned against us, or maybe when we feel like they have not met our expectations or failed us in whatever way it may be. And he says there's also slander and filthy language, which can often come out of this anger and rage and malice. So in order to make us feel better or feel justified, we speak death. We allow death to live within us in this anger and rage and malice, but then we speak it. And when we speak it, we we damage the reputation of other people. And this can be very blatant or it can be very passive. I encourage you to listen to conversations that you're around. Is it life-giving or is it death-producing? Are you allowing death to live within your heart as you think of or speak about someone else? The conversations that you're in, is it pouring into you? And our world is polarized and angry right now because we've allowed slander and filthy language and anger and malice to rule. And this is an opportunity for us as the church, as followers of Jesus, to show a different way instead of mirroring the world's method. In verse 13, Paul says, it says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, and I think most of us could probably say we have a grievance against someone, There's someone that is hurt or sinned against or whatever it may be. But Paul is saying, bear with one another. You have this newness of life because of Jesus. So bear with one another, forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And so we take off attacking people and lying. And also we put on forgiving and loving one another. So who is it in your life that you, you treat like an enemy? Who is it that you need to act in forgiveness toward? Who is it that you need more patience when you're around? Who is it that you need to cultivate more of a compassionate heart, along with more kindness and humility and meekness? And I have to pause here as I say this each time whenever forgiveness comes up, because I know walls come up as soon as you say forgiveness. Because Scripture tells us that we're to forgive uh, because we've been forgiven, right? Like, there's no clause in there. It's, it's saying, like, we, we, we have to forgive in order to be forgiven by God. But here's the thing, is that the reality is, is you've been hurt by people, people have sinned against you, and by forgiving them, it does not mean that you're saying it's okay what has been done. It's not some permission or some get-out-of-jail type of reality. They're still hurt, they're still sinned. When you forgive, forgiveness is really about you and your heart. In our household, we, we work on what we say. is not just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's, will you forgive me? I'm sorry for whatever it is, and will you forgive me? And one of the things that we, we work hard on, too, is, is not allowing the phrase when someone says, I'm sorry, or will you forgive me, of saying, it's okay. Right, that's just like the quick release. It's okay. But it's not, right? If you're asking for forgiveness or you're apologizing or someone's doing that for you, it's not okay because there's hurt. So forgiveness is this heart thing, this reality within you that you're, you're, you're releasing that anger, that malice, that rage, that desire for slander and filthy language. You're, you're forgiving saying, what happened is not okay, but, but I'm going to forgive because I've been forgiven for my wrongdoings. And something that I need to say, too, is that boundaries are okay. Boundaries are okay. There are people that are just not healthy for you to have in your life. You still love them as Jesus loves them, but boundaries are okay. Okay, I'm stepping back off of that. We can talk more about that another time. I always feel like i got to throw that in there, because I know that wall goes up. Verse 9 it says, Since you have taken off your old self with its practices... And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. I want to encourage you. We can hear a message like this, and we can have shame and guilt just come upon us and be like, ah, I feel terrible now. Scripture is telling us that we're we're putting on the new self, we're getting rid of the old, and we're being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator. Renewing is a process. It is a, an ongoing process. said that maybe you've got to put it aside now, and then later on today something's going to come up, and you're like, I'm going to put it aside again. I'm going to put it off again. I'm going to put it off again. We're renewed, and it is a process. Paul continues by saying, here there is no Jew or Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in, in all. Later on in Galatians, he says too, he says, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free. It's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. The way we identify is Jesus. Jesus is the primary identification as a follower of him. In Paul's world, the world was divided out racially, religiously, educational, with biology, with uh, social status. I mean, we're Jews, we're Greeks, we're circumcised, we're uncircumcised, we're free, we're American, we're Democrat, we're Republican, we're rich, we're smart, we're strong, we're pretty, we're witty, we're cool. I mean, if any of these things come before our identification with Jesus, it causes division. And we have witnessed this again and again and again. This can't be the case in the church. So another thing we put off or we put to death is division. And we put on unity, especially toward those who you may consider different from you. One of Jesus' final prayers, what was on his heart before he went to the cross, was a prayer for unity. Consider these words from John 17, my prayer is not for them alone, but I pray for also for those who will believe in me through their message. That is us if we follow Jesus that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete, what? Unity. Then the world would know that you sent me and have loved me, them loved them even as you have loved me. So it's not programs in a church. It is not building. It is is not the um, whatever worship or preaching or whatever that people will be like, oh, Jesus is is real. Rather, Jesus is saying, hey, if the church walks in unity, if the church is together recognizing and seeing difference but they move and Jesus is at the center, that's when the world will look and be like, oh, there's something different there. What they are talking about is real. Jesus is real. This is what Jesus is praying. So we put off division, the things we put before us and before others, and we focus on unity. Obviously, there's so much more we could unpack in this passage here. Verse 12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. See, we can walk in this, putting things off, putting things to death, not because of what I can do, but rather we are chosen people. We are holy, we are dearly loved. And I want to pause on this. Maybe this is the only thing you need to hear today is that the creator of the universe dearly loves you. Whatever that rejection of that statement that just popped into your head of like, well, what about this thing? Or what about this? Or what about this? What about this? what No, 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 no. You are dearly loved by the creator of the universe. If you take nothing else, take that with you today. And it's because we're chosen, holy, being set apart, and dearly loved, then we can clothe ourselves with these things, which is a spirit empowerment reality. Compassion, kindness. Humility, gentleness, and patience. It's because of what Jesus did and putting on Jesus that these things flow out of us. Will you throw the picture of the, um, the polar bear up, please? This is a polar bear. I'm going to ask you not to think about this polar bear. Here, just to help you out, can we take the polar bear off the screen, please? Okay. Please don't think of a polar bear. Go. How we doing? This is what we do with sin, right? Are we are the things that that we struggle with. So we're like I'm not going to think of it, not going to think of it. All right, I'm putting it out of my mind. Oh, I just thought of it, right? This is called the ironic process theory. This is something that's been studied, is that our brain, we tell our brain not to think of something, but what our brain does is our brain puts like a little sticky note in there. There's a much more technical you know, phrasing for this, but, but it puts this little sticky note in there, and our brain wants to make sure that we're not thinking of that thing, so what it does is it comes back to that sticky note and says, okay, I can't think about a polar bear, but what are you doing? You're thinking about that polar bear. This is the same reality. I am not gonna lust. I'm not gonna lust. I'm not gonna think about that... Oh, I'm thinking about it. I'm not going to be angry. I'm not going to be frustrated. I'm not going to, no, I'm thinking about it. So what we do is we just try to fight this, and we have this cycle again and again and again and again. See, when we put something off, we have to put something on in its place. For so many of us, we've just been trying to put things off for the longest of time. Just put this off. But what are we putting in its place? Paul says, Clothe yourself with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Can we go to the final chart where we're putting death on or putting death off? I want us to look at this. See, we put to death what Paul is saying is using people, putting to death greed and attacking and lying and division. And we're called to care for people by putting that on. Gratitude, forgiveness, love, unity, kindness, compassion, humility, gentleness, patience, and love. Paul's saying to the church at Colossae, hey, you're doing some really great things. And I want to say that same thing to you, is that you need to know that the simple fact that you're here today, it should be an encouraging reality. Whether you fought everything trying to get here or be here, or you came with great joy and excitement, and Paul would say, hey, this is good. Your your desire to grow, and even if it's like this, or you're fighting against it, it's a good thing. He's saying, God wants to do an amazing thing in you to the church, and I want to remind you, God is doing something in you. God is doing a work. And what Paul is encouraging, just saying, hey, there's these things where you allow death to live within us. You have been transformed. You are dearly loved by the creator of the universe. These things that we just allow to sit within us, saying, put those off, put them to death, and replace them. I just want to pause for a moment. And you can look at the screen, and, and maybe it is a confessing and, and, and a putting off and, and a putting on of something. And maybe for you, it's is this just saying, Jesus, do a work in me. Spirit of God, Grow. Grow me, use me, send me. Whatever it may be, i just give you a moment to process the words from Scripture and what we've talked about here this morning. And to be reminded what verse 14 says. He talks about all these different virtues. He says, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So would you look at this list one more time? Would you just take a moment and pray? Do whatever the Spirit encourages you to do, and then I'll close this. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Spirit of God, we thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for your word. And Lord, I thank you that you encourage us, Lord, to put to death, to put off these realities. And Father, may we not settle, but God, may we surrender to you. May we trust you. Lord, those areas of just death and decay Thank you that you desire to take those. And God, you're patient with us. God, thank you that you continue to welcome us. You continue to restore. You continue to forgive. God, may we be a people that put these things on. May we be a people who walk with the fruit of the Spirit and ultimately in love. And Jesus, I thank you for each person that has taken the time to gather to worship you. Lord, to grow. And may just be an encouragement to keep at it or that you love them. And so, Lord, thank you that you send us from this place. We pray this in Jesus' strong and powerful name. Amen.